Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. How are you? Welcome to your Life's Work Podcast. Hope everything is good and well. Today on the big show, we're going to continue on with a little thing I started a couple weeks ago called Party Conversations, all wrapped around a little story that uh, Jesus, Jesus tells in the Bible um, about a kid who goes to his father and says, yo, I want all my inheritance now because I want to get out of here. And he takes the cash. The father's like, all right, here you go. He takes the cash. He runs away. He ends up being a big jackass, partying and parties it all away, uh, winds up with the pigs, man, and uh, then ends up going back home. And his father, of course, welcomes him back home. And uh, the part two of that story is there's an older son who actually gets pissed. That younger son is back, and that father has now created a little party for this guy. So we're going to continue on that, all in an effort to help ground you in the present. Um, Part of my practice as a spiritual director is to help uh, people that come and hang with me in sessions and clients, um, to help really ground them in the present and help them really understand what's happening with the divine right this second. And that's not to say we're not uh, looking at the past, and it's not to say we're we're not you know orchestrating a plan for the future because that's also a huge part of it too. Um, but so many of us are doing what my good friend uh, Kirsten Linquist says is future tripping, and the idea in future tripping is is that we're just stuck in the in the future about what could happen, what might happen, what should happen, and it just spins us out in the present. And, um, and it's 2019, man, and there's no, <laughs> there's no doubt, right? I mean, who's going to argue with the premise? There's no doubt in 2019, particularly with um, computers in our pockets, and in some cases uh, hooked to our brains, um, that we're not uh, not stuck in, in, in the future of some kind. And here's the other thing about, you know, just as I kind of set the premise here, the other thing is that so many people, and there's so many people that I know, and you check yourself too on this, so many people are looking for the satisfaction of what's next to be the thing that leads to happiness and peace. Like, if I just get that, if I just get them, if I just go there, if I just hang with them, if I have a little bit of instant fame, um, I'll, be, I'll be good. And so we're always in this constant movement of what's next, like we're reaching out in the dark, swiping at objects that we think maybe or maybe not there. Like when you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, like I'm 52, right, man? So I get up like a couple times a night sometimes. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, go to the doctor. (laughs) And sometimes when I'm up in the middle of the night before I hit that light switch, I'm like moving my foot around, like how you'd move your foot around in the ocean, like trying not to get stung by a stingray or something. Um, or a jellyfish or something, you know what I mean? So you're like moving that foot out in front of you. Like that doesn't have to be your present, <laughs> like how you move right now. Um, so there becomes this desperational movement in the present for a grab at satisfaction for things that are out in front of us that we necessarily may or may not see. So I want to anchor you in there. Sorry that I'm, um, I'm swallowing and doing things like that. I just had some salami. I love the salami. I'm all about the Italian meats. I love it. Hashtag Italian meats. Um, okay, so the story that I'm centering myself on is in Luke 15. For those of you with Bibles, for those of you without Bibles, congratulations. 
You don't necessarily need one for this exercise, um, although I recommend along the road you grab one. Look through it and deal with it. When we're talking about the Bible, for the record, uh, we're talking about the experience of the Bible, so we're talking about how you are in it with it, and not just simply it to you, not just simply it's like, you know, putting up stop signs or roadmaps or or you know yield signs like when you know I tell people man when you study the when you study the bible I want to make sure that you're experiencing this in you and in your life and in 2019 we're not just looking at this thing and like well 5000 years ago they said this um I really want you to have an experience with it so when we're talking about you know love the people like you love yourself or you know you know when you're when you're talking about movements like that I in, in particularly in Jesus's Jesus wisdom, right? Jesus Jesus wisdom as he teaches out parables, like the parable that we're talking about now, like he's really wanting you to discover who you are right now, which is another driving factor for staying in the present. So okay. Um we left off in Luke 15 like around verse uh 28 or so. And so at this point in the story, younger son has come home younger son has realized not simply because of his behavior he's a jackass not simply because of that but because he desires the love of his father his family his familia he desires this in his heart he desires to receive and give love he he has he has understood that that grab for satisfaction way out in front of him and not in the present is was not a good move to make, right? Dad, give me your cash. I'm out. And off he went. And on he came, <laughs> running back real quickly. So at that point, at that point, father in the, the father in this story is running down the driveway, grabbing him up, not listening to a word he's saying, just, you know, because the son, the younger son's apologizing. You come in, we're going to have a party. Let's let's get a roast going. Let's clothe this guy. Let's get him in here. He turns to his servants and is like, yo, man, thank God my son's back. Here he is. Let's have a party. So the whole premise of party conversations is when you're at a party and you do this right now, right? When you're at a party, when you're at a gathering, when you're at a place where, you know, whatever... Um, there's a, there's a level of performance, right? And you know what I'm talking about, man, when you're going to places, you know, and you kind of put your best face on and spritz yourself with some cologne and make sure your clothes look good. And, you know, when you're, when you're going into a party, you are making first impression goodness, right? You're like putting your best foot forward, putting your smile on, regardless of, you yelled at the kids, you know, all these things. But this is a celebration party. This is a party that says, hey, we're going to be in the present to celebrate the fact that this young kid isn't lost anymore and he's back and he's here. So this kind of party is centering in the present, in that kind of a celebration. Like, look, you're here. Let me touch you. Let me hug you. Tell us what happened. What's your hope for the future? So it's not like the kind of party where we're out there swimming for compliments or swimming for likes or swimming for the identity of love or swimming be- because you know we want our ego to lead first and make sure everybody in the room knows we're great. This is truly a celebration of presence. And you know, again, I want you to do that in your own life. It's like when you're moving around the planet, whether it's you going to work or you going to watch your kids play basketball and all the rest of the parents are there and 
you know, you're worried about how you look and what you're driving and, you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, y'all get it. I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know or you don't experience for yourself. It's just bringing it out loud is going to help captivate you in the right now. All right. So the older son at this point is like, how the hell can you throw a party for that guy? How can you do that? I, I, I've been here. I didn't leave. I do everything you asked me to do. Um, and we pick it up there. So this is in 28. It says, The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join. Refused to join the party. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. He says, he says The son said, Look how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? So it's a real self-righteous, like, you know, entitlement, self-righteous entitlement. The millennials uh, of 2019 get this a lot, right? Everybody wants to throw back to the millennials. Hey, look, you're just an entitled little brat. You've never really had hardship. Um, you're always about victimhood. You're always about suffering, you know, and, 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 and you know, I, is, it, is it fair that we do that to millennials? Absolutely not. Is it fair we do it to a few of you? Absolutely. <laughs> is it? Is it? It's just it. It's not fair to categorize uh, any generation. Um, do we see some of this with the present generation? Sure, I, but I think we see it with every generation, as in this story, because this story is thousands of years old. So there is an entitlement. There is a little bit of self righteous, you know, anger going on here. There's a little bit of hey, where's mine, kind of thing. And again, are you doing that right now in the present with any? or all relationships in your life? Are you looking back at God with, I'm doing good, so I need to get good? And, and I'm guilty of this, for the record. I'm completely guilty of this. And I'll tell you how this resonates in the present for me. Di and I are the parents of adopted kids, three of them. And when, when shit hits the fan, when things get hard, with our family. And and it's it's always revolves around the abuses of the past for the kids. And my lack of compassion for the present, right? So my kids will spin out and be triggered on something that happened to them in the past and I won't have any patience or, or for it in the moment because I'm whatever. And I'll lose my temper and I and my compassion completely runs out the window and then I get self-righteous and I get indignant and I get a little bit entitled, like, look, we've done for all of you and I want a moment of peace. And then I look back up at God and go, yo, can I get a moment of peace? I mean, why can't I get a moment of peace? And so that kind of thing, like, doesn't do the present at all because what ultimately what you're doing is you're racking up the past as a present for the present, right? And that's not it. Because as the, as the father, uh, you know, the father said, so the son said, look how many years I've been serving you and I've never given you a moment of grief. But have you ever thrown me a party for my friends? Then this son of yours, this is the, the older son talking to the father, but the son of yours is throwing away your money on horse and shows up and you, you all go give him a feast. And then the father says, son, you don't understand. So this is God talking to us, right? In the present, this is God talking to us. Yo, you're with me all the time. Hey, JR, you're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. You're welcome to everything, JR. But this is a wonderful time. And we had to celebrate. In other words, when I'm bitching and moaning and complaining in the present about my kids and about the things that, that I just can't, again, that like I think I'm entitled to a little piece or I'm entitled to a little something, something because I've X, Y, and Z, 
Like, he's like, yo, man, let's celebrate the awareness and the consciousness. Let's celebrate the victory of other people, of other scenarios, of other understandings around you, right? So if my kids are going through a trigger and I just am impatient and not compassionate and thinking I, you know, I deserve X, Y, and Z because I'm such a great guy for adopting kids, like I need to slow down and understand what the hell's happening in their lives, right? I need to slow down and understand that these kids, they had a hell of a life before they met me, right? And they formed a lot of stuff that sits inside of them because some idiots were idiots. And that at some point, I need to not make my life solely about me. And that's a big deal in the present, y'all. That's a big deal in the present because that'll stop future tripping. That'll stop future tripping, right? That'll stop this insatiable appetite need that I have to constantly satisfy myself with what may or may not be next or what may or may not have happened in the past, right? And it helps me ground myself long enough to know that God, the divine, is saying, yo, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. But the last line this, this father has for his older son is the brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. So at, at this point, as we just round that corner with, and, and by the way, there's so much more in this parable. Like I haven't even scratched the surface. Entire books have been written about this parable, all with kind of different thoughts. And, and for the record, this parable and its, and its story, this is not the only place we find this. This story we find um, kind of um, in likeness, if you will, in other uh, big uh, wisdom and spiritual traditions. So um, it's kind of a thing, but I, I've not scratched the surface. Suffice it to say, where I take this is the party conversation. Like for me, there has to be, as I read through this story, a real identification of what we're not being told or what's not being said here. And I want you to take that out of the the physical words of the Bible and into the air into 2019, right? The expression to 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 lift your reality off the pages and really see what's happening in and around you. So in my crazy mind, it's like in this conversation, in this celebration, everything that's happening inside is there are people questioning what happened, like the younger son, what happened to you? Um, you know, why'd you come back? What are your plans? But I so now I concentrate on this this older brother. And I think, what's the next day like, right? What is that next day like when older brother and younger brother are waking up in the same house and older brother is coming to the table to eat and younger brother's, you know, scratching himself and rolling over and getting ready to come to the table and eat. And then father has to deal with this mess, like (laughs) this triangle of insanity that's about to hit the breakfast table. But when I go there, when I go those places, I'm wanting you to really drill down in the present with what I'm talking about. Because, yes, we see ourselves in both brothers. Uh, I see myself in prodigal son. I see myself in this idea that I can be up in a way and autonomous away from the divine. I can solve my own problems. I can go my own places. I can be solo and siloed from and up from not only my family but, but God himself and still make my way in the world. The problem is that's not a thing. 
<laughs> I've tried it just like the prodigal son tried it, and I too ended up coming back up the driveway. And I too, like prodigal son, was welcomed back in a fit of love <laughs> and celebrated, quite frankly. But sometimes it's hard to see the celebration because I would imagine some of the party conversation for the younger son was he had a hard time understanding the celebration himself. Like the younger son just didn't go in and just accept the party and start dancing and having a few beers and just like, you know, kicking it up and and partying. I would imagine there was some sorrow. I would imagine there was some shame. I would imagine there was some guilt as he went, as everybody who had who works for the father, who, who was around the father, welcomed him back into the house. You know, as he was thinking about his days, like how he turned away, how he grabbed his father's money and left. Like I can imagine. So that's us, right? That's you and I. That's you and I dealing with the everyday guilt and shame and remorse and sorrow over the past. And we do that. And don't let anybody fool you out there. Because there's people out there, man, who will tell you, hey, you know, once you get locked into Jesus, you know, all that stuff goes away. It's, it's all bullshit. You are a human being. Your feelings ebb and flow like the tides of the ocean, period, end of story. People who tell you time heals all wounds or people who tell you there's closure, psychologists who talk about closure, they're all full of garbage. Closure's not a thing. Maturity is a thing. Transformation is a thing. Growth in maturity is a thing. But we'll never lose, like I hope we never lose this idea of like keeping the cra- keeping the the door a crack open to the past so we can see that little like that's what we did right that's how we thought that's how we moved that's what the essence of us was at that x time whatever it was but you know I just want you to know man there's certain constructs that are real because we're humans one of them is emotions right so as this guy's wandering around the party as you are wandering around your present day life yeah you've got sorrow and shame and guilt. I hear that you do. Does it mean you you can't get? I'm saying you can't get over it. I'm not saying you can't get over it. I'm saying you're gonna transform with it and away from it. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm saying like the next day, younger son starts really healing inside of that love. The next day, father's still there, bright eyed, bushy tailed. And eggs around the table and, hey, welcome back, right? And the younger son at that point has to really start accepting and receiving the father's love. And that's the hardest damn part of the equation in the present. The hardest part of, I tell this people all the time, the hardest thing to do daily, day to day, is to receive God's love or even receive the people's love around you because it means vulnerability. It means you'll have to talk about being prodigal, it means you're going to have to talk about being angry, indignant, self-righteous, entitled son out in, the, out in the pasture. It means you're going to have to talk about it. And the party conversations or the day next conversations often sound like that. So you've got to learn how to do that. you got to learn how to do that. And again, you're not getting over fear. You're not getting over guilt. You're not getting over the shame. You're transforming with it and away from it. That's what you're doing. Because you're human, and you'll fear, and you'll shame, and you'll guilt. I'm just telling you. That's like, I'm, I mean, I'm not telling you anything that you don't really know deep, deep inside you. You know what I mean? Everybody who says you can, you know, you can master your fear, I think it's, I think it, I think it, I think it's, I don't think it's very responsible for people to say that. 
You know, I don't think Jesus didn't like, you know, hit the planet and go, okay, everybody just listen real quick. Like, you know, if you go all in on me, you're never going to have fear again. That's just garbage because some fear in us is absolutely natural, right? Like a fear of the dark, a fear of getting burned. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you, you, don't, you don't not look both ways when you cross the street because you're afraid you might get nailed by a car. Like, some of this stuff is natural. And guilt and shame ebb like that, too. But we can't make guilt and shame, season, we can't make those great seasons of our lives, right? We can't make that lifestyle. So when we hit the table the next day after the party, and there's younger and older son and dad, we have to re, we have to start accepting the love into us. And how do we do that? There's a vulnerability there, obviously, with the conversations. I would imagine older son looking at younger son like, "Hey, well, welcome back, jerk," you know, throwing some shots across the bow, right? Just like my two sons do to one another, you know. My youngest man take every every advantage of every mistake everybody makes in the house. <laughs> Just a part of him, man. That's what he does, right? And then my middle son, Angel, who can be very compassionate, uh, although will light up with anger when my younger son does that. So, so that's a thing, right? That's 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 a thing. And but those conversations have to come at the cost of vulnerability. They have to come at the cost of, you know, some clarity. And some of the clarity is you have to start admitting what is going on in your life in the present. I would hope younger son gets the older son's vibe at the breakfast table the next day after the party and says, yo, I know you're pissed, but, uh, you know, I, I had to come back, you know. And maybe there's even an apology there, right? Yo, I'm sorry I left. I'm sorry I left you with all this responsibility. And maybe over time, as older son starts to receive the love that he's watching between father and younger son, maybe his heart softens too. And it's just, it's sorry for being hard on you. And sorry for thinking like, you know, I'm the bell of the ball and I'm the one that, you know, deserves all the credit because I'm the one that stayed and helped out the old man. So the present in the story, the presence in the story is you understanding that you circle around the prodigal and you circle around the older son. And at some level, you also circle around the dad. Because you can see this with your own kids if you've got kids. If you've got kids, you know exactly the emotions that father went through when son came back. You get it. Like There's no not getting that if you've got kids. And uh, I'm talking to the majority of you. I know some of you got issues out there. So we, we see ourselves right now in every personality of this story. But I want you to know that the work in this parable begins at the party. The work begins the next day at the breakfast table. The work begins when you start taking on your relationships right this second. When you start looking back at your husband, your wife, and you really start splitting hairs about how you're receiving and giving them love, or your sons or your daughters, or we drill down to the people at work. Because listen, man, I was in the corporate television industry for years. And there's a lot of pain in the ass people that you work with, period, end of story. There's a lot of people, man, you just don't want to deal with. There's a lot of people you don't want to call their names during the day that you're going to have to. And you're going to have to see yourself in the presence 
in the present in order to start flipping some coins, flipping some paradigms, really start to straighten out shame and guilt and fear and joy and sorrow and happiness and peace. Because it is kind of what's required of us to be conscious of what's going on inside of us, to be aware of what's happening between our ears, to be aware of what's going on in in the spiritual situation in your life because there that's a thing it's not not a thing like you know people it's like i like i'm not arguing whether or not there is or isn't a god <laughs> like there is a there is a higher power if you will that's enveloped in love and it's shaking itself all over us all day long and you don't have to look too far to understand that so this is this will never be with me a conversation about it is or it isn't it's always a conversation about the values of love in our lives. In the present, how are we thinking about ourselves? How are we thinking about the people around us? Are we vulnerably, authentically leading with what's going on? The party conversation. Hey, man, where you been? Oh, you know, it's horrible. I spent all the cash. I had to like a jackass. I got wrapped up in drugs and alcohol and you know, I, I had to come back home. Oh, dude, what, what are your plans? Well, I don't know right now. I just, you know, I just, just trying to shake the road off first and then, uh, you know, I'll get up and start helping the family or maybe get a job or something. But when that conversation goes on, there's shame and guilt in there, man. And for you to acknowledge it, for you to either acknowledge it in somebody else or acknowledge it yourself to somebody else, that's a big deal. Right? And that's formation. That's transformation. That's you maturing in mind and in body and in spirit. That's what's happening. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of my passion. I appreciate you so much. I'm JR Man. I'm a spiritual director uh, and mentor. And, uh, you know, I work with you, man. I work with you just exactly about what we're talking about. The hard conversations uh, with grace and a plan is what I like to say. Um, the hard conversations that, that, that are meaningful because I'm not the guy that thinks you don't know what the hell is going on in your own life. I know you know. I know you get it. I know you have the feelings that you're either running from or you're confronting or you're working through or that you just don't want anybody to know. So I, I know that's in there. I believe that you do know what's going on, but I just think it needs to be out loud. It needs to be valued. It needs to be understood. I don't care if it's sorrow or joy. I'm always asking people to hold both those in the same hand instead of separate hands so we can start really, really understanding that the present moment, regardless if it's suffering or it's celebration, have both joy and sorrow that need to be held together, need to be understood and sat with, and we can stop future tripping about what might, may, or should happen. So I appreciate you here. If you need me, I'm JR, JRMan.com, JR at JRMan.com. There's a number and a website on the on the, uh, on the the website thing there. And I'm at JRMan everywhere else online. Um, I love you, and we will talk to you next week. Music.